Riverside. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here. No Uriah tonight, but that's okay, because Chris is pretty much acting like the Danny Ainge of fantasy bat football, trying to make me give him good players for not-so-good players. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Look, Lucas is being very mean and unreasonable. <laughs> Why would I trade some of the best oh. fantasy players in the league for, like, second-rate fantasy players? Cooper Cup, the best. I'm not You're, uh, Yeah, yeah, Cooper Cup is the best. But here's the thing. You're asking me to give up four of my best players for him. I was going to give you other good players, too. It was no! A James Conner no. is good. No, not as yeah, good as Nick Chubb. Is good. Okay. Not as good as Jason Waddle. Anyway, let's Jaylen let's get into Waddle. best. You don't even Jaylen know his Waddle. first name. Of you, course I don't. Wow. I don't follow football like that. Anyway, let's go. All right. Unbelievable. All right, we're going to talk about media day, Lucas. Mm-hmm. That was on Monday. Quite a few things were said. Yes, it was. Some would say that every player was available to speak to the media. Um, yep. First time hearing from P.J. Tucker, Anthony Melton, Daniel House, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Let's start with P.J. I think he was kind of like big man on campus, kind of the big new arrival. Of course. Um, he, he had quite a few interesting quotes. There are interesting quotes said about him by other players, but let's start with this one. He said, quote, honestly, me and James were trying to come here the year before, obviously implying before the Brooklyn trade. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, we've heard James say in the past that he wanted to be here all along. I, I don't know how much I believe him because every report leading up to the Brooklyn trade was that James wanted to be in Brooklyn. But does this change your perspective on that at all, Lucas? Do you believe PJ? Do you think that they've been planning this for a while? I think they have because I think this. Okay, I don't know if he means like a year, like a full calendar year or like back when they were in Houston, because it would make much more sense if it was in Houston, right? Yeah. So I that's that's what I'm thinking he meant because look PJ was trying to get traded the Sixers didn't have the assets at the time or didn't want to give up what Rockets wanted and clearly they were still salty about the whole entire Daryl Morey thing going to theirs or else they would have traded Harden then then and there right um, they both took detours PJ joined Miami as a free agent Sixers didn't really have the salary cap space at the time because they used it on Danny Green which. You could argue make made sense at the moment, right? Yeah. Over PJ Tucker, that that's a fair argument, especially for the type of like you had Tobias. You didn't want to clunk up stuff too much back then because you already like Danny Green was a staple in locker room. It made sense. Okay. So I don't see that. The, this is the beautiful thing about the NBA: coaches, GMs, everybody can. Everybody that works in the front office or for for the organization can tamper, except for one type of employee, Chris. And you know who that is? Who? The players. Players can make these plans and everything. And we can go back to like the when uh, LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Boss all had their rookie extensions made the way that they did in 2000. What was it like six or seven or whatever, so that they could become free agents in 2010, right? So th- mm-hmm. this is 
it, this goes back a long time. So I'm I'm all for this. It, it shows that Philly, despite the whole entire Ben Simmons saga, was still a destination, which makes me feel good about that. Absolutely. I mean, like every good team tampers, every team tampers, even the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, PJ Tucker is a very good NBA player. Yeah, he is going to help the Sixers quite a bit. We've heard so many glowing, positive comments from Doc Rivers and everyone else about his presence on the court, communicating defensively off the court. He's clearly going to be a very important leader for this team. As far as toughness goes, that's one thing that Philly did not have a lot of last season. There aren't many guys who are more mentally and physically tough than P.J. Tucker. So if anyone is going to help in that regard, it's him. You know, one guy isn't going to fix all of Philadelphia's problems as far as staying composed, staying engaged, playing games, finishing, but he's going to help quite a bit. And they made other moves to acquire players who are tough, physical, grinded out, two-way players. So they, they, they are in a pretty good place on that front, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, now there, for fans that were worried, PJ did have off-season knee surgery, but he's clearly cleared to play. And he apparently, according to Doc Rivers, looks great, so... Yeah, just didn't want to add that little bit in there. You mentioned that Philly is a destination, and that that really all comes back to Joel. Like mm-hmm. the city's great, the fan base is great. Daryl Morey has clearly played a very big role in getting James and PJ here, so we can't discount the connections that Morey made in Houston. But at the end of the day, no one would really want to come here if it wasn't for Joel. He is transformed the Sixers from a team that was either really bad or kind of hanging around in mediocrity and taking them to new levels. Like the Sixers Mm -hmm. are contenders first and foremost because of Joel Embiid and the kind of player that he is. So Joel deserves a lot of credit too. Absolutely. Don't think James and PJ would want to be here without Joel or a player of that caliber. Absolutely. Yeah. James came here because of Joel. Everybody else followed James accordingly. PJ, House, um, Harold, all those guys. So you're absolutely right. It all comes back to Joel. Yeah. And, like, James also deserves credit for restructuring his contract. Oh, yeah. Like, PJ, Daniel, Montrez, all those guys have played with James before. So James deserves his credit for getting these guys here, too. But Mm -hmm. Joel is kind of the seed from which the tree has sprung, you know? So, yeah. He deserves a lot of credit. For sure. Um, let's talk about Matisse Thibel now. We all saw the article a couple of days before media day about all the work he's been putting in this summer to improve his shot, improve his handles. He said at media day, Lucas, that he's, quote, condensing my shot down and minimizing wasted movement. Open court ball handling. Those are his two big focuses. Lucas, do you buy Thibel going into the season? Are you buying Matisse Thibel stock right now? I'm not sure, Chris. Um, I know if Uriah was here, he'd be 100% buying it. And, like, I hope that this is true. Because, look, if, if Thibel is actually as a reliable three-point shooter, you can make the argument that he should be starting over PJ at this point, right? You can make the argument. I don't know if I would do it, but it's certainly an argument that is worth being considered, right? So I hope that is true. I don't know if it's true. 
I, I have to see some preseason games first. I have to see some preseason games. Like, I don't care about the ball handling. Bump that. If you can just become a, like, corner three, 35% shooter, Chris, I, I'm happy with that. Yeah, if Seibel can, like, go to the P.J. Tucker school of being a great complimentary role player who does very simple things at a very high level, his value would skyrocket considerably. Um, you know, I I do buy that he's been putting in the work. I don't Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. It's very clear Absolutely. that he's been working hard. Do Will I it pay off? Yeah, do I expect, like, market drastic improvement i don't know i mean no one can tell for sure it's we're in wait and see mode we'll probably know by the preseason how good a shot looks um but obviously he's a brilliant defender this is a guy who's made all defense twice now in three seasons coming off the bench for one of them like he's clearly a brilliant defender who can really change the game on that side of the ball so if the offense comes along at all if he can just get to the point where he's not a severe negative, even if he's only a little bit of a negative instead of a big giant negative, that would help a lot. And it would make him mm-hmm. pretty valuable to the Sixers. Um, everyone else that Philly added this offseason, Melton, House, those are guys who can contribute on both ends, who can play good offensive basketball, spread the floor, hit threes. We know that Niang, Shake, all those guys are offensive players. Montrez is an offensive player. So there's room for Thibault to carve out a role there as a defensive specialist. He just can't be so bad that defenses can ignore him completely. If he can get, like you said, just like league average, spotted shooting, higher percentage maybe from the corners, like that would be humongous. It's kind of hard to overstate how valuable that would be for Thibault. So... I'm like you. I'm hoping that it pays off. I'm hoping that he takes a leap and we don't have to talking, you know, we don't have to keep talking about how we're going to find a trade for Thibault because that's been kind of the conversation all summer. It'd be great if he could shut that down. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if I'm confident, but it'll be interesting to monitor for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Joel now. Mm-hmm. said, quote, I really want us to be the best defensive team in the league. He also talked about his own individual performance on that side of the ball, saying that he wants to be more focused, that he wants to start putting in max effort for all four quarters instead of waiting for the fourth quarter, which is not really a joke because, look, when you carry the offensive burden that Joel has the past couple of years, mm-hmm. you need to pick and choose your battles sometimes. We've all seen yeah. that take possessions oh, yeah. off defensively to some extent. Now, like, like to be clear, Joel has been an absolute generational defensive talent the past two years. He's still a monster on the defensive side of the ball, even when he's not giving maximum effort every time down the court. But he has had to sacrifice defense for offense a little bit the past couple of years. Obviously, the big factor there I think is if James is really back to being high level James Harden the way that James is talking about himself the way that everyone else is talking about James if that version of James Harden shows up that'll take quite a bit of pressure off of Joel that would allow him to focus on defense Um, 
Uh, again, the Sixers added a ton of good defenders over the offseason. That's clearly something they were focused on. Doc Rivers talked about it, Tobias. All these guys talked about improving the defense, playing physical, turning defense into offense. And Joel is, again, really the head of the snake there. Like, he's the best, most important defender on the team. So, do you think, Lucas, that Philly has the chance to be the best defensive team in the NBA this season? I mean, there, there's a shot. Look, you got, you got Matisse Thibel, all defensive second team two years in a row. Joel Embiid. I think he said that in terms of like his personal focus on defense, I think he's trying to get defensive player of the year without saying it. I think that's what he's going for. Cause I, I look MVP. It seems out of his grasp. Like he's, I know you don't agree, but like he, he deserved to win it the past two years. You can argue about the politics or whatever, but at the end of the, he played like an MVP the past two years. Um, and look, Jokic probably won't win it a third time, but there's other guys like Giannis and Luka that are just chomping at the bit, right? So, mm-hmm. Joel, if he feels like he's not going to get it, maybe focus more on defense, get defensive player of the year. That's doable, certainly. So I, I think that's part of it. I, I Now, going to the team defense, so you got Joel Matisse. Then you got P.J. Tucker. And you got DeAnthony Melvin, who we'll talk about more later as the defender. But, like, he's nothing to, like, like, he's really good. He's really good, too. And, you know, I expect Tyrese to make a jump in that area as well. Daniel House is a solid, you know, multi, you know, switchable defender. James Harden, underrated on defense. Honestly, Chris, he is. Especially as a post-interior. Like, if he gets switched on to a bigger guy, he can hold his own in the post. So, like, I'm – I. And then Paul Reed, which, Chris, I know you love Paul Reed. If he gets minutes, oh, yeah. like I, I saw a quote today. We, we're, we don't have this in the article, but Paul Reed was like, nobody can defend Maxi at this point except for me, pretty much. That's not the exact quote, but like that's what he was saying. And Maxi didn't like straight up deny it either. So I'm like, look, the team could be special defensively. We just got to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Philly is 100% in the running to be the best defense this year. If Joel is as committed as he says he is, that's a guy who's probably going to make an all-defense team, maybe compete for Defensive Player of the Year. He's certainly good enough to do that. I think, obviously, Gobert, Draymond, and Giannis are kind of the top three front runners going into any season. You have Marcus Smart from last year, Mikael Bridges. Those guys are going to hang around, but... Joel is in that tier if he wants to be. So, oh yeah, certainly very possible that he could compete for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just as possible that he could go out and be right back at the top of the MVP ladder. So, you know, it's it's obviously health is a factor, but really, it you know, if Joel is committed to doing what he says he's going to do, then he can do it. Um, yeah, Philly's going to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, period. They're they're going to be. Are they going to be the best? It's kind of hard to tell. Boston, Minnesota. Well, Phoenix. we got to talk about Boston, Chris, without without Ime. Like, I, and don't get me wrong. I love Joe Missoula. He's a West Virginia guy. You know I like West Virginia Mountaineers. But, like, we don't know if they're going to be the same, especially without Rob Williams for, the like, uh, like a couple of weeks, like possibly months. So, yeah. who knows? I mean, 
just personnel wise, they're kind of an absurd deep team with a lot of good defenders so I'm I'm sure they'll figure it out but yeah I, I mean Boston has some coaching concerns so the door's open for sure yeah he's like going to be in the mix um it again it's too early to make any like definitive proclamations about next season but the Sixers have the chance to be really good on both sides of the ball they they have the chance to be a really special team if things pan out. So I'm very excited to see if Joel lives up to the expectations that he is setting for himself. Absolutely. All right, let's talk now to round this section out, Lucas, about Tyrese Maxey and also Paul Reed and Matisse. Doc, in talking with the media, said, quote, between him, Tyrese, um, Paul Reed and Matisse Thibel. I don't think anybody has outworked those guys. I guarantee you that he has done everything more than we've asked him to. Tyrese also mentioned that he went on vacation for the first time this summer and that he didn't like it, that it was too much of doing nothing for him. Doc also said he had to kick Tyrese and Paul out of the gym several times this summer. Like, we know that Tyrese puts in an absurd amount of work. We've heard D'Anthony Melton talking about how Tyrese is like putting in his second workout of the day at 9 a.m. No one is outworking Tyrese Maxey. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. Absolutely um, not. I, I mean, there's really nothing but like positive stuff to say about this. Like Maxey took a massive, massive leap last year, went from a semi-reliable bench guard to a borderline all-star, one of the best number three options in the NBA offensively, and he's right in line for another big leap this season, Lucas. What are you expecting from Tyrese this year? Okay, so before I get into positive, let me just put my negative Nancy hat on here for a second, okay? My only concern about all this work, like this nonstop work minus the forced vacation, what if his body's getting too overworked? Like, I get that he's young and he doesn't have an injury history. And, like, for everything that's good, I hope that, you know, nothing happens. But, like, the negative Nancy in me is saying, what if he's pushed himself too far and his body's starting to get worn down and he gets worn down halfway through the season or worse, he gets hurt? Something along those lines. That's the negative part of me. The positive part is, like, gosh, this kid, if he's if he's right physically, which I believe he is. He's going to make it. I, I think he's going to be pushing for an all-star push. And like, if somebody gets injured on the all-star team, don't be surprised if Adam Silver decides to go with him. Especially if the Sixers have our top two seed in the East. You're absolutely correct about not wanting him to overwork himself. There have definitely been cases of players overworking and pushing themselves too far in the past. Like, you have to be smart about it. There's a reason. Doc and the coaches are trying to kick him out of the gym. It's not because they don't want him to practice. It's because you do need to rest and keep your body right. But dude's 21 years old. I I think the Sixers medical staff in general is probably, hopefully at least, knock on wood, going to keep him from pushing himself that far. Um, Yeah, I mean, the kid's awesome. I, I don't know what else to say. He's going to be really good. Uh, it's just a matter of waiting to see how good he's going to be next season. But 
certainly he's going to be in the mix for the all-star team. I think that's very possible for him. Could be a little bit tough if James is as good as we hope or think he might be. Like Joel and James are going to eat up a lot of oxygen in the all-star conversation for Philadelphia. They could kind of yeah. push Tyrese to the to the outside there, but he's really good. And I, I mean, I've seen people projecting Tyrese to be better than James next year. I don't know if I'm there yet. I, I think that might be a little premature. Better, but, but maybe better score, but like overall player, no, not yet. Yeah, I, James I, is James is one of the best playmakers in the league. Tyrese is probably never going to touch that. Yeah, I, I think we're overstating how quote unquote poor James was last year. I think he was still really good. I, I mean, I think he was clearly by a solid margin better than Tyrese last year, and. I think we all expect him to be in better shape this season. So, yeah, I wouldn't put Maxi ahead of Harden yet or anything like that. I, you know, it's slow the roll a little bit, but he's going to be really good. This is only his third NBA season. Uh, hopefully he sticks around in Philly for a long, long time. He's going to keep getting better. He has a lot of room to grow still. So there's every possible reason for excitement. Okay. Yeah. So I think on that note, we need to go ahead and switch gears. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're going to talk about position questions because, like, training camp you're trying to figure out who's going to play where who's good at what like that's what we're going to get into here Lucas, so the first thing's going to be the starting center i you know what it's a tough one but i think it's going to be joel really okay. really Not yeah 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 like don't get me wrong charles bassey is something special but <laughs> and on that note let's get to the real questions now um chris is pj a three or a four doc Rivers seems to feel like he's more comfortable at the three what do you, what do you think what are we even talking about? Does it really matter, like, where Tucker and Tobias are listed? Like, who they defend is going to be matchup dependent. I, yeah. I think, ideally, PJ spends most of his time guarding fours. And frankly, so does Tobias. Like, there is some concerning overlap there. But, um, you know, I'm I'm not terribly worried about it. Tucker offensively is going to play the same role that Danny Green did pretty much. I mean, there's not going to be much of an adjustment for the other guys on the team. He's going to stand in the corner. He's going to shoot a lot of spot-up threes. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He can set screens. He can cut, but he, he's mostly a spot-up shooter. That's just his role. I don't think Tobias's role offensively is going to change much. Hopefully with Tobias, it's a lot of spot-up shooting for him as well. Um, but like, like, I I really don't think there's a meaningful conversation to be had here, honestly. Like, like it really doesn't matter. Him and Tobias are both wings for all intents and purposes. Maxine Hardner guards and Joel's the big. Like, that's really the best way of looking at it. Because I, I just don't think there's a meaningful, like, delineation between the power forward and the small forward with those two. I, I just think it, like you said, it's, I, I kind of agree. It's just PJ's going to guard the best of the two forwards on the opposing team. Maybe shooting guard, but most likely it's just going to be the best of the two forwards. Some nights 
he'll be guarding LeBron James. Some nights he'll be guarding Jeremy Grant. It's just like not to compare the two, obviously, but you get the gist. Like one's a small forward, one's a power forward. There's a difference. And sometimes he might be guarding Luka Doncic. Like, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And look, Tucker's 37 years old. He's slowing down a little bit. You don't really want him chasing Trey Young around or anything. So there are going to be nights where Belton probably closes over him. Like, the Sixers are going to have to make or, matchup-based decisions. Or or maybe Daniel House, if you need a little bit more size. Or Daniel House, or Thibel, if he's having a particularly good night. Like, the Sixers have options defensively, which is, has not been the case very often in the past. Even when Ben was here, it was pretty much just Ben, Joel, and Matisse there for a little bit. But they have, like, several quality defenders now that they can rely on. Tobias was really good defensively in the playoffs. If he shows up and is as committed this season to playing good defense, like, the Sixers are going to be pretty stacked on that side of the ball. Mm -hmm. The guard spots are a little bit weaker in the starting five, but you have Melton, Thibel, House, all those guys coming off the bench who can guard point guards at a high level. Mm -hmm. So... The Sixers have option, yeah. which is really yeah, cool. yeah, for sure. And like, okay, so I, I I know this isn't on the agenda, but I want to talk to you about this for a second, Chris. Let's talk about Montrez Harrell. We we say that he's a terrible defender, but he really got only like showed up against Nikola Jokic, right, in the playoffs two years in a row, right? Nikola Jokic, who uh, is is like the reigning MVP, right? I don't think it's just the Jokic thing. I, but, I like, that's... Think... But, like, it's not like he's a scrub either, right? I, I think he's a pretty bad defender. Like, he's a well below average defender. Oh, no, man. I just... I, I, I need to do some more research. I I don't know. Somebody said something to me along those lines, and now it's making me reconsider. So, I, I, anyway. I mean, he's... He, he can't really guard in space. He's too small to defend the bigger guys in the post at a high level like he's just not well positioned for the defense. but if like let's just say you put him against a generic five in the playoffs yeah like he, if he, he's guarding mason Plumley, you can survive it but if he's guarding bam Adebayo or al horford or you know whoever else then you're probably in some trouble okay Okay, I just wanted to talk that out with you for a second, but let's go to our next point here. And Chris, who's the team's best perimeter defender, like guard defender? Let's take PJ out of this because, like, we don't expect PJ to do that all game long. But you know, Thibel or Melton, who do you feel? Yeah, Melton is awesome. Melton's going to be really impactful and important player for this team. But as much as I've railed on Thibel in the past and been a critic of his and been pretty strong critic of his uh it's it's matisse Thibel. again the guy has two all defense team nominations for a reason and then you know they're he deserved those both and i mean we're talking about one of like the singular defensive talents in the nba not the list of people who can disrupt an offense like Thibel is extremely short i think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the nba period when he's clicking is he perfect was last season maybe a bit of a step back for him from the year before sure like he certainly has 
his weaker moments at times on the ball where he gambles too much and can get lost on screens. But no one can recover from something like that better than him. No one has a quicker recovery speed than Thibault. And no one is like an off-ball free safety. There's really no one who can play that kind of role like Thibault. So I I would pick Thibault there. I, I, I think he is just the clear, obvious, deserving pick. Not that Milton isn't spectacular. Not that Milton won't be a better player overall than Thibault. I certainly think he will be, but strictly on defense, I, I think Matisse gets the nod. Well, let me just read you this before, before I mean, and I don't disagree, but let me just say this before we move on. Uh, you know, this is Doc Rivers said this something along the line that the Anthony Melton and PJ Tucker were the best defensive players today by a long shot saying that Melton messed up the practice because he the guards were he was guarding full court and disrupted the offense too much. So I guess like is that a shot at Thibault or is that just Doc trying to like hype up the new guys? No, I I don't think it's a shot at Thibault. Like some guys are going to have better practices than others maybe, but again, Melton and Tucker are brilliant defenders. Tucker, Doc has talked about how vocal he is setting up the defense as like a communicator. There's a whole lot of value in that. Even when he's not locking guys up one-on-one, he's going to tell players where to be and he's going to keep things in order, keep things organized. And that's that's really valuable. Like just having someone who talks as much as PJ does is a huge boost. And with D'Anthony... Again, brilliant, awesome defender. I, I don't want to take anything away from him. But with Seibel, all the offensive concerns aside, he is like a truly one-of-one one brilliant, potentially all-time defensive talent if he can just figure out how to stay on the floor. So I think you got to give it to Seibel, but Milton's awesome. And Milton's going to make a ton of great plays on both sides of the ball this year. So I don't want to take okay. anything away from him. Agreed, agreed. Um, now, Chris, we get to talk about two of your favorite players, and I'm going to start out with B-Ball Paul. Chris, we saw, I, I saw, and I don't have the exact quote, but Doc Rivers said that they tried a little bit of B- Paul Reed at the four. And if I remember correctly, you just wrote an article about that. So do you want to dive into that a little bit? Can Reed be a four next year? Uh, yeah, so the answer is yes. I, I mean, anyone can be a four. Uh it's Will he be good be for? for? Is he going to be good for? Um, so I, I think there are pros and cons, as there are with pretty much any player combination in the NBA. Uh, Doc said specifically that Reed played next to Joel. I think that works better than playing him next to Montrez. I, I don't think Reed and Montrez would be very good together. Like, Reed is obviously a brilliant energy guy and a brilliant rebounder that's something that doc emphasized with offensive rebounding the Sixers have been just terrible on the glass in recent years for whatever reason if you have Joel and Paul Reed in there you're gonna have a much stronger presence on the glass I think that's an obvious motivating factor in trying out that pairing defensively I think Paul Reed can survive with the four he's quick enough for most regular power forwards and frankly with Joel being something of a safety net and not forcing Reed to be like the prime decision maker in the middle, 
you probably can cut down on some of his foul trouble. So he might even be a better suited right now to defending next to Joel than he is is just the straight up five. Offensively, I'm less optimistic about that group because like defenders are just going to cheat off of Paul and put more pressure on Joel. And it's the same deal with Thibault and you know all those guys who we've had in the past who just don't shoot a high volume of threes. Now Reed has hit like 44% of his threes in the G League and pretty reasonable volume. So it's not to say he can't become a bankable three-point shooter in time. Obviously, he works really hard. He has evidently added eight inches to his vertical. Like, I have no doubt that he's been in the gym. But we just haven't seen that three-point shot translate at the NBA level yet. His release is pretty slow and wonky and takes a lot of time to load up. So until he's like a proven bankable NBA three-point shooter on reasonably high volume, I, I don't think offensively it works very much. So I, I probably wouldn't play Reed at the four over, you know, Niang, House, Tucker, those guys yet. I just don't think that's going to help the Sixers offensively. But, like, like could it work? Sure, you're not going to lose very many minutes that Joel plays, and there are benefits defensively and on the rebounding side of things. So it's a pros and cons thing. Maybe it's a matchup-dependent thing, but I I think Paul Reed's probably a five right now, mainly because of his offense. Yeah, I, I agree that he's mainly a five right now, but it does tell me that Doc wants to play Reed. Yeah. Which is a positive because let's face it, until the playoffs last year, Reed was very much in Doc's doghouse. Like it did not look like he was ever going to get minutes for Doc. The fact that he's trying this out shows me that he he feels a little bit better about Reed this year, which is good. Which is good. And who knows? Maybe we'll get what we want, Chris, and he plays more minutes over Montrez moving forward. Who knows? Um, last person that we're going to talk about, Chris, is Springer. You're a, of course been associated with Springer Island. Uh, Springer, we thought, was an afterthought at this point, but Doc had high praise for Springer this past year. I mean, this past, uh, in practice recently. And, uh, you know, Doc asked, said that we had to figure out what position he is because, you know, he, he looked pretty good. So, Chris, uh, what position do you think Springer is? Is he a one, two, maybe even a small three? What What is he? Um, I'll tell you what Jaden Springer is, Lucas. He's a basketball player. He's a baller. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, yeah, like he's not a point guard. Like you're not gonna run the offense through him. No, you, no, you, no. You no. would need to play next to other guards. So I uh-huh. guess he's like a, a smaller wing in that respect. But he can guard point guards. He can. He's gonna guard point guards. He's gonna guard guards. So I think defensively and offensively, we're maybe talking about different positions. Let's just but look like, at offense. Yeah, you would have to play him theoretically next to James or next to Tyrese, which is the situation for any backup guard on the Sixers for the foreseeable future. And I, I think either one of those could in theory work. Like that's, you're not going to get much better guards to play next to if you're Jaden Springer. Um, the three point shots, something he has to figure out like offensively, what is he going to do out there? Um, you know, he's a very smart, intelligent, intuitive player. He can, Screen, cut, finish at the rim. Like he, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, but 
like until the three point shot comes around, there that's like a hurdle that the Sixers probably can't overcome. I don't expect Jaden Springer to play much this year, but he's always been a very good defensive prospect. He's still extremely young. He's a twenty year old. Like there's plenty of time for him to figure it out. I get, I I'm getting the sense just from the quotes from Doc and from PJ that he's he's gonna make the team. Sixers have to cut two guys. Trevor and Queen, I think, is all but yeah. Sure, as we agree, Bassey and Joe are the other two on not fully guaranteed contracts. I think Bassey's probably the odd man out. Unfortunately, I would say so too. Yeah, Bringer's contract is fully guaranteed. Now it's not a big contract; it's like less than the veteran minimum. But I, I think they're gonna keep Springer around. If I had to guess, um, yeah, I, I, I'm still. In on Jaden Springer. Should I have had him in the top 15? Maybe not. But, like, that's he was always going to be young. He was always going to take time to develop. But the instincts, the athleticism, and the defensive upside have been there from the start. And I'm still on board the Jaden Springer hype train. I'll, I'll keep chugging along. I'm on Jaden Springer Island real estate for sale. I'm welcoming all newcomers who have been following these quotes and we're eager to purchase stock you know just hit me up on twitter um, we can talk about real estate on james Springer island that's all i have to say he's gonna be i swear it's Chris, gonna I, swear I, should, I swear i should get you a shirt made with you just standing on like a cartoon version of you standing on an island and like a little picket sign saying springer island please i do. swear i will wear that shirt i will i, I will proudly wear it I, you know what? Don't tempt me, because I can get somebody to draw it and then oh, somebody else I, to make the I'm shirt. I'm tempting you. <laughs> when's your birthday? When's your birthday? When, when's your birthday? Uh, it's in April. Okay, okay, that's too far away. Um, happy Hanukkah. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, I, I, I did work at a Jewish summer camp. So. Hey, there you go. There you go. All right, cool. <laughs> So, um, to go off your Springer con, I, I mean, I think he's more of a two. He played two in the G League. Uh, defensively, look, in the Summer League, he looked fantastic. Like, he looks like an, M- an NBA defender. He kind of reminds me of Gary Harris in some ways, okay? At, at, on defense, not offense. Offensively, look, the guy has elite athleticism. There's no denying that. But, Chris, you didn't get to see Summer League. And I'm telling you, this shot is still, it looked really like, the form is not there yet. The form's not there. He he okay. he airballed a few like mid range jumpers. Okay, Lucas, I have spent the last six years of my life covering this team. I am an expert on guys whose form is not there yet. I I am prepared to weather the storm. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just letting you know. Like <laughs> I don't think he's going to get minutes anytime soon. Clearly, he's on the G League roster, hey, getting look, playing time. Thibel gets minutes. His shot isn't anywhere close. Yeah, to but like Thibel's an All NBA defender. You just said that yourself. Well, so, <laughs> how how far off is Springer from an All NBA defender? Do we even know? We haven't seen him yet. You know. Uh, I mean, I've seen him. <laughs> it's 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 not there yet. It's not there yet. Anyway, um, anyway, I I I think. You know, look, he just needs to get the shot together. Once the shot's there, he'll probably crack the rotation because he's clearly better than like defensively. He could, you could argue, he's probably one of the top five defenders, perimeter defenders on the team. 
Like, seriously, he's that good, guys. Like, look at his college, look at his summer, look at his G League stat, uh, like, highlights. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. The guy, the guy can be great. It's just like the offense is just not there at all. But like Chris said, he's not, he's 20, he's still young. I'll get Chris that Jaden Springer, that Springer eye. What if I got a picture of you and Paul Reed standing on Springer Island? Like a, like yeah. a cartoon version of you want it now, don't you? I, I, I really do. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I can see, I'll, I'll see what I can do. But if you do, if I get it for you, you have to make you your profile picture for at least the rest of the season. Oh, happily. 100%. I just got to try the. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. This, this might be worth it for me. I don't, yeah. I'll, I, but you got to do something for me. Okay. You got to stop right. giving me crazy fantasy football trade requests. All right. No, not crazy, but I understand. Um, okay. Thank you. I think on that note, Chris, do you want to go ahead? Unless you, there's something else you want to talk about, I think we can go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, You know, I, I mean, unless you, like, really want to talk about Alperin Shangun, I think we're done. I mean, look, I could talk about Alperin Sengun, <laughs> but he's not a sixer. So it's like, it's hard to, yeah. oh, there is one thing that I want to bring up though. Cause I did see it on Twitter. Did you see the quotes that Steve Nash had about Ben Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another head coach not holding Ben accountable for the outside shot. Yeah. You know who did? Brett Brown. Okay. Yeah. So to all our listeners. Kudos to Brett Brown. To all our listeners. Especially those brave few who still stand strong on Brett Brown Island, where I am also a resident. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook or Meta at Sixer Sense. And until next week, peace out. Go Sixers. Go Eagles. Powered by Riverside. And we will talk to you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.